If you'll turn to Luke 2. Luke chapter 2. I think about the words of that song and the, the response, really the only biblical response, hallelujah, just gratitude. The reality of, of, of what we read this morning, but, but the reality every day that Jesus Christ would take on flesh and come and to die in the place of sinners to pay a ransom and rescue God's chosen ones, His people, from the domain of darkness and transfer them into the kingdom of light, a people that had in their own sin rejected Him, would crucify Him, and yet He came. So today and tonight, I want to take a look at today from Luke 2 and tonight from Matthew 1. And my hope is to take a simple story, but a beautiful story, and keep it simple, but allow the really the profundity of it, the amazement of it to stay within the story and not try to make it something else. It's just, it's the profound in and of itself. And, and even this morning, I want to just take this simple story, if you will, and, and, and focus on the details and make sure that you understand the, the, the vastness, the, the amazement, the awe of this story. Look with me in, in Luke 2. And start in verse, verse 8. The reminder in verse 7 that she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, it says, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Sometimes the, sometimes the hardest things to do, the hardest passages to preach, are passages that are all too familiar to us. Passages where we, we, we know the story seemingly well. 
I, I think we would all admit where we've been there, where we're reading something that we're very familiar with, we're, we're looking at something we're very familiar with, and, and we, we really skim over the details. Sometimes we can even put words in there that maybe aren't in there just because we think we're familiar. All too familiar sometimes. Uh, when it's easy to forget, I think, that, or, or to even subtly forget or treat this story as if it's not a real story. This is not a fairy tale. It's not something that was made up. It's not something that was, that was just, a, it's not something that was said and, and made up and then over time it just grew and grew and grew and grew into something that it, that it wasn't. It's not a story that was, that was never meant even to be held as truth. This is a real story. And, and our text makes that very clear. Look at verse 11. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want us to contemplate and remember this morning some, some basic truths. They're going to seem simple, but I think we, we pass over them. I think in our daily lives we forget that this was a real day. A real day. It says for today. The, the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, the birth of Emmanuel, it happened on a day. It happened on a very specific day in history. It's not an imaginary thing. It's not some mythological thing. It's not, it's not something where people say, well, you know, we're not really sure. No, no, no. It happened on a specific day, a day when, as it says in, in verse 1, when Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome and Quirinius was governor of Syria. Real day. Real people, real event in history. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a day that just happened. This, this day did not happen accidentally. It, it was a day that was planned in, the, in eternity past, before the foundation of the world, before the creation of the world. This day was planned really a focal point of all creation and of all history. The reality is, as we say, we've seen in Colossians 1.16, everything that was created was created through Him and for Him, even for this day. Colossians 1.16, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Listen, all things were created through Him and for Him. For Him. E even for His appearance. For this day. It's as if, if not all, but at least a great deal of creation was existed so that Jesus could be presented. So that God would be seen as glorious. Galatians 4.4 tells us that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. It happened on a day. 
It happened on a perfect day. It happened on a day, again, that was, that was planned ages before it ever happened. Prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of years before it ever happened. Again, Genesis 3.15, the very first prophecy in Scripture had to do with Jesus dying on a cross to forgive, to defeat Satan, and to present a way for salvation to come to sinners. It happened on a day, it happened on a, a perfect day, it happened on a day in the fullness of time. The time that God appointed before the foundation of the world. For unto you is born this day. It was a real day. But, but it was in a real city. For, to you, for today in the city of David... Real city. This wasn't Narnia. This wasn't in a galaxy far, far away. I don't mean to offend Clay on your special day. I know you're a big Star Wars fan as well, but... You know, in a galaxy far, far away. No. No, no, no. This happened in a city that if you traveled east about 6,700 miles, you'd run into it. It's a real city. City you can visit today. Go there. The city's name, it's Bethlehem. Luke 2 4 tells us Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David. This is a this is a, a city where David, far long before Jesus, where David shepherded sheep himself. It's Bethlehem, the city that Micah prophesied in Micah 5.2, that, that it was the city where Jesus would be born. But to you, O Bethlehem, we, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. This, this is a story that happened on a real day, in a real city, just like Lutz, Land O'Lakes, Carrollwood, Newport Ritchie. On that day, in that city, a gift was given in the form of a baby boy, born to a virgin, born in a manger. But, but again, this wasn't just any, day, any baby. Luke goes on to say, for... Today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is not just any baby. This is Savior, Christ, Lord. There has been born to you, he says, a Savior. For today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior. Listen, if you have ever sinned, and by the way, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you today. If you have ever sinned against God, listen, you need a Savior. You need a Savior. We see in Colossians, we see in Galatians, that He came to rescue, to save. The angel said to Joseph in Matthew 121, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save the people, save his people from their sins. 
save, Savior. See, only God can forgive sins against God. That is why God sent the eternal Son of God into the world, because He's God. And that's why Jesus said, the Son of Man has authority, authority to forgive sins. Jesus came, Luke 19, 10, to seek and save that which was lost. Savior. That, that's the baby in the manger. Savior. Connect the dots. To acknowledge the baby in the manger to, is, is to acknowledge that, look, you needed a Savior. God in His glorious mercy, goodness, created humanity, and that humanity chose to sin under the sovereign will of God. Again, they sinned. That sin separated them from God. They, they were there in need of rescue, in need of reconciliation. And God sent His Son, Jesus, to be a Savior. But He's also, it says, who is Christ? There, for today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ. Anointed One. Messiah. You look at John 1.41 and he speaks to that. John 4.25. This Jesus is the long-predicted, long-awaited, anointed one that they were looking for. All the prophecies pointed to this arrival. The, the final, if you will, the true anointed king. The true prophet. The true priest. The one whom 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in this one, in Jesus, in Jesus the Savior, in Jesus the Christ, in Jesus the Lord, in Him, they are yes. The long-awaited one. But not only Savior, not only Christ, this Jesus, this baby is also Lord. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That, that word is ruler, sovereign, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Lord of the universe. For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and of peace there will be no end, says Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. The long-awaited one, Lord. He is the one that had been long promised by God that would save His people from their sin. And again, th think about Christianity that way. Think about Christmas that way. The birth of Jesus is coming, is the coming of the, of the Lord of never-ending, universal, sovereign governance. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. This is a story that was on a day in real history, in a city, in the real world. Jesus is the Savior to take away all of our guilt. He is the Christ to fulfill all of our hopes. He is the Lord to defeat all of our enemies and, and, and bring us to God, namely, namely, sin and its penalty. The Lord. J Jesus came to earth to save us from our sin. 
Matthew 20, 28, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to what? To give His life as a ransom for many. And I encourage us this Christmas with the truth that we have a great Savior, Jesus, the Christ, the Lord, born on a day in a city to save us from our sins, our many sins. And the result of that, the result of that doesn't end there. Look at verses 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 2. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is well pleased. The beauty of of Christmas, the joyful news, the the, joyful accomplishment, if you will, on that day at the perfect fullness of time in the perfect city, A Savior was born who is Christ the Lord. And that news, listen, that news had two outcomes that I want us to see today. Two very great purposes. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth among men whom He is well pleased. In in Jesus' coming, we see a connection. Listen, we see a connection between God's glory and our peace. The coming of this child will be the greatest revelation of the glory of God, even among among the heights of heaven. You look at John 1. No one has seen Him at any time except the one in His bosom. He has revealed Him. Jesus said multiple times, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And the coming of this child not only will bring glory to God, it it will bring peace to God's people. Jesus is the one who will one day fill the entire earth with righteousness and peace, as Isaiah 9, 7 says, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. This Jesus. And first and foremost, you see there in verse verse 13 and 14, God is glorified because this child is born. God did, and we'll see it tonight. Tonight I want us to focus on one word. But God did exactly as He promised. God made a way for salvation where there seemed to be no way. God did what man could not do on their own, bring about the forgiveness of sin through a satisfactory payment of sin, through a propitiation. One who would bear the wrath of God upon himself for sin he didn't commit, die a death that he didn't deserve to die. And in this baby, God is offering reconciliation to lost sinners. He's offering forgiveness. He's offering reconciliation, propitiation, substitution. But but secondly, peace. Peace is offered everywhere that this child is received. Men are to give glory to God. God will offer peace to men. God's glory would be proclaimed among men for the sake of His name. God's peace would be lived out among those men for the glory of His name. And that, that's what Jesus Christ's arrival has done. Glory to God. 
peace on earth to men. His greatness, our joy. His beauty, our pleasure. And the point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious, and this is to be known and praised by Christians in a, in a peace-filled creation. But only those who receive them, he says, only to those who receive him experience this peace. And the point is that even though God offers peace, only his chosen people, only the people who receive Jesus Christ and trust him as Savior and Messiah and Lord will experience the peace that he brings. It is in him. God's Peace is, uh, uh, is offered through Christ to the world, but only those who receive Him. Only if you're, as it says in Luke 10, 5 and 6, a son of peace. If you receive Him, how do you know if you're part of that? You welcome the peacemaker. You welcome Christ. You receive Christ. You receive Jesus as Savior and Christ and Lord of your life. You submit to those. You give your life over to His glory. You believe in faith that Jesus Christ is your righteousness, that Jesus Christ alone satisfied God's righteous demands, that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection were your substitute for your sin. That's your testimony. All of that is God's doing through Christ. There was a gentleman yesterday that I was sharing the gospel with, and he, he said something about a testimony. I said, listen, here, here it is. Many, many years ago, Jesus Christ was crucified, and three days later, he was resurrected. There's my testimony. This morning, I woke up. Listen, I'm trusting Jesus Christ for my righteousness. In the morning when I wake up, I'm trusting Jesus Christ for my righteousness. The next day, I'm trusting Jesus Christ for my righteousness. That's, that's this baby. Gift, gift righteousness wrapped up in swaddling clothes in a manger. That though your sins were as scarlet, that Isaiah 118 says they can be washed white as snow. Salvation is in none other than Jesus Christ. And God is offering, in this baby, God is offering peace. And my desire for us is that we would experience this peace. And really this peace flows to us on three different levels, if you will, three relationships. And, and I don't, I'm not just saying the absence of conflict and animosity. Sometimes these holidays where families get together and all that it can be anything but that we're not talking about just external peace and and again i i want to i want us to think about these three peaceful relationships that that jesus came to offer and, and i would hope that we would enjoy them as much as we can not only this christmas season but every christmas season and the key again do we cannot separate what the angels kept together god's glory our peace. God's glory, our peace. 
And, and again, what I mean by that is God's purpose is to give you peace by becoming the most glorious, treasured person in your life. Five times in the New Testament, he's called the God of peace. Jesus himself in John 14 says, my peace I give you. Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace. See Ephesians 2.14. Our peace, listen, our peace can never be separated. What it means is our peace can never be separated from God himself and from Christ himself. If, if, you, if we want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in our lives. Christ must rule in our lives. God's purpose was not to bring us peace separated from himself. He is that peace. His purpose is to give you a peace by being the most glorious, treasured person in your life by being your treasure see Matthew 13 and that peace what what holds it together is God getting the glory and us getting the peace believing and trusting the promises of God obtained by Jesus Romans 15 13 is, is fundamental says may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in Believing. Faith. That peace comes through believing. Comes through believing. Cannot be separated. God's glory, our peace. When we believe them, when we trust them, when we build our lives on them by faith, peace. And three, three areas quickly as we to, to help us to think about, first of all, peace with God. Jesus came to offer peace, first of all, peace with God. The most fundamental need in our lives is peace with God. Foundational to all our other pursuits of peace is peace with God. If we don't go here first, all the other experiences of peace will be superficial at best. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, Again, that's the, that's the believing part that I just mentioned in Romans 15. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In believing that Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, repenting of our sins, turning to Him, looking to His work on our behalf as sufficient, as our substitute, we have peace with God. We're justified, it says. Justification there, justified means that God declares you to be just in His sight and He imputes, He credits you with Jesus Christ's righteousness. Though you're not, He credits you with Jesus' righteousness. And He does that by faith alone. Again, He says, since we have been justified by faith, not by works, not by tradition, not by baptism, not by baby dedication, not by church membership, not by your parents. Faith alone. When we believe in Jesus as the Savior and as the Lord and as the supreme treasure, we're, again, we're united to Him by faith. We're gifted His righteousness. And the result, listen, the result is peace. Romans 5, he goes on to talk about that. But God's love for us is this. Is he, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he goes on in verse 10 to say, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. This baby. 
came to reconcile a holy God with a sinful people, a sinful creation. And again, the, the result is peace. God's anger, His wrath towards our sin is put away on the basis of faith. Our rebellion is overcome. God adopts us into His family. And, and, and again, all of His dealings with us are for good no matter what. He will never again, again, Romans 8.31, 8.31 He will never again be against us. The reality, Paul says, if God is for us, who really can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Peace. Peace. Peace with God. But not only peace with God, peace with, peace with ourselves. Peace with ourselves. The, the, the blessing of having God's forgiveness flow over our lives. If we were honest, sometimes the hardest people to forgive are ourselves. Sometimes the hardest, hardest, this is the hardest one to overcome, ourselves. Because we, we know we've sinned. We, we know we've messed up. Sometimes the hardest thing is to take, take the fact of God's forgiveness, of God's propitiation through Christ, of His reconciliation, and, and by faith apply that and receive that into our own lives because of the sin that we've c committed, because of the damage Maybe that sin is caused. And it can paralyze us. And again, this is where, again, go to the promises of God. Go to His Word. Philippians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. He starts by saying, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And listen to what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Roll all your anxieties, 1 Peter 5, 8, casting all our anxieties upon Him. Why? Because He cares for us. Believer, peace with yourself. The, the picture here literally is that our hearts and our minds are under assault. It's, it's what we see, I think it's in 1 John 2, 1. It says, little children, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Christ is that advocate. Here, here's the reality. Are we sinners? Yes. Do we commit sin? Yes. And that the Bible presents, that word advocate literally is like a defense attorney. Like a defense attorney. He's our advocate. Peace with ourselves. All of these things, all of these guilt, the worries, the, all these things, they threaten our peace. And, and Paul says that God wants to guard our hearts and minds in the reality of Christ Jesus. And he guards them with peace. And it says He guards them in a way that is beyond human comprehension. Listen, we, we can't limit our peace to what we see and what we understand by sight. Jesus gives us inexplicable 
peace, supernatural peace. And he, and he does it when we take our anxieties and we cast them on him. See, for, again, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all our anxieties on him. When we truly believe his promises. And when we do this, we come to him. And the only reason we can come to Him is because of what we saw in the first place, that we now have peace with God. Therefore, as Hebrews says, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence. Why? Because through Jesus Christ and believing in Him, this little baby in the manger has offered us peace with God. Though we were sinners, though there was tremendous animosity and what was deserved was wrath, Jesus Christ took that wrath. We now can have peace with God and then we can also... Again, have peace with ourselves. God can get the glory. We can get the peace. I pray that we would do that this Christmas, that we would let the reality of peace with God transform our hearts and minds, that we would take all our anxieties to God, that we would tell Him about them, that we would ask Him to help, that, he, that we would receive that protection, that, that restoration of peace, and, 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 and use you to even make peace, because the third thing he came to do is not only peace with God and peace with ourselves, but the offer of peace with others. And, and this one gets tricky. Because Romans 12, 18 says, So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. The reality is this, we won't always be at peace with other men and women. But because I have peace with God, because that translates into my own life, I now can pursue peace with those who have sinned against me and with those who maybe I've sinned against, so far as it depends on you. Let's be honest. For some of us, we're dreading some things that are going to happen tomorrow and the next day and family gatherings and all that. Why? Because we know there's not peace. There's going to be awkward relationships. There's going to be painful relationships. Some of the pain may be old. Some of it may be very new. Some of these relationships, you know what needs to be done in order, or in order to offer that forgiveness or create it. Some of, them, some of them, you don't know what needs to be done, that you feel like you've tried everything. But, but the... the the beauty of, of the baby in the manger, the beauty of Christmas is that in both cases, the key is trusting the promises of God with the, with the awareness of how He first forgave you. That's Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. All that speech that's contrary to the gospel along with malice. Listen, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Taking the gospel, taking the fact that we've been offered peace with God through Jesus Christ, we've been offered peace within, peace within ourselves, if you will, continually cultivating within ourselves, pondering, again, as Mary, as Mary did, pondering these things in our heart, the, pondering this, the amazement, the amazement of our own forgiveness. Look at that baby in the manger and be amazed. 
that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, though your sins were as scarlet, they're as white as snow. Be amazed, believer, that you've been reconciled to a holy God. Be amazed at your own salvation. That in spite of all of our sin, God's forgiven us. Be amazed that you have peace with God. And it's in that sense of amazement that, that, that our forgiveness and that pursuit of peace overflows to those around us. Not a spirit of entitlement. Not a spirit of arrogance as if we deserved it. An amazement. A spirit of amazement that that baby in the manger would grow up to die and three days later be resurrected. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Be amazed that, that through Christ, though my sins were as scarlet, though they were many, Psalm 103.12 says, they've been separated as far as the east is from the west. That He no longer counts them against us. And then do the same. In the spirit that you've been forgiven, pursue forgiveness with one another. And listen, might it be thrown back in your face? It was thrown back in Jesus' face. Might it be rejected? Listen, you have a Savior who knows what it's like to be rejected. Might your generosity be taken advantage of? I dare say Christ knows that feeling. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was tempted in every way. So what? He can understand, Hebrews says. Take, even take that. To Jesus. Let, let the spirit of Christmas create in us a, a, a sense that we're more amazed at our own wrongs and the forgiveness that Jesus has brought us so that other people's wrongs pale in comparison to the weight of our own wrongs. That other people's sins against us pale in comparison to our own sin against a Savior who was crucified on our behalf. Be amazed. Believer, that you can have peace with God. That you do have peace with God presently. And pursue that peace. Not only for your own soul, but for that of others. Keep trusting God. He knows what He's doing. Keep His glory. Listen, not your success, not your effectiveness, none of that. Keep His glory preeminent in our lives. May His glory be the supreme treasure May His glory be the reason we pursue peace with others, not for their success, though we desire that, but for His glory. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth among men. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. On a specific day, in a specific city, Savior, Christ, Lord.